Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, this is Tippi Hedren. I've been an actress for a very, very long time. I did uh, two films that you might remember, The Birds with Alfred Hitchcock and Marnie, also with Alfred Hitchcock, and The Countess of Hong Kong with Charlie Chaplin. Out of my film career, I have been able to establish the Shambhala Preserve, where we rescue big cats, lions, and tigers who have been born in the United States to be sold as pets. Please look us up, and thank you, and I'm very happy to be doing the Dr. Sky Show. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to the exciting show we call the Dr. Sky Show, heard exclusively here on TeenTalkNetwork.com and on the many radio stations around the nation that do air the Dr. Sky Show. A special hello and thank you to our flagship radio station, KFNX News Talk Radio 1100. As we like to say, in our opinion, the 50,000-watt powerhouse of the desert southwest. If you're a newcomer to the Dr. Sky Show, welcome once again. Our normal topics range from the topic and subject matter of astronomy, space, aviation, and weather, with special celebrity guests mixed into the mix. And today, ladies and gentlemen, an extraordinary guest, we're speaking with Miss Tippi Hedren, ladies and gentlemen. American icon, an American actress, and a former fashion model with many Hitchcock films to her credit. And her extensive efforts in animal rescue at the Shambhala Preserve, a 73-acre wildlife habitat which she founded back in 1983. Hedren is the mother of actress Melanie Griffith, and they share credits on several productions, notably Pacific Heights, back in 1990. Mr. B. Hedren not only has had an extremely active acting career, but one as a political lobbyist as well. Our latest bill is being presented to Congress, the Federal Ban on Breeding of Big Cats Act, to amend the Lacey Act Amendments of 1981 to prohibit breeding of exotic big cat species and for other purposes. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, it is a true privilege and honor to welcome actress Tippi Hedron to the Dr. Sky Show. Good afternoon, ma'am, and thank you for joining us. Well, thank you. I'm very delighted to be on the uh, Dr. Sky Show. Well, ma'am, it's a privilege and honor for our side of the fence, too, and you know, without going into too much detail, or I should say take as much time as you would like, please describe to us some of the most amazing movies, and I'm a big Hitchcock fan. You're involved in two, The Birds and Marnie, and that alone would probably be, what, uh, an interview in itself, if you'd be kind oh, enough well, to actually, it has done that many, many times, and I, uh, I also am the only actress to have worked with both Hitchcock and uh, Charlie Chaplin. That's phenomenal. Yes, it actually it is, you know, to have been... Uh, uh, directed by two of the most world famous icons in uh, directing motion pictures. Oh, it's an amazing story. And if you'd be kind enough to tell us, I'm reading here through your bio how Alfred Hitchcock actually found you. I think that's a fascinating story for the birds. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was. I had. You mentioned that I had been a fashion model in New York. I was with Eileen Ford for 11 years, and. Um, uh, it was in the 50s, and of course, during that time, television took over our lives, and uh, actually, it was um, uh, also the uh, introduction of the television commercial, which was, became a huge business, and um, 
I did. I started doing the commercials, which were was really exciting and wonderful, and and certainly different from still photographs. And um, uh, I, you know, it was so financially lucrative that I was able to take six months off and go around the world. I called it my college education. That's an education, I'd say. <laughs> yes, it was. And um, I had done uh, a commercial. It was a pet milk product called Seago. It's a diet drink. Mm-hmm. And I think I weighed all of 100 pounds when I did the commercial. And um, uh, it was a storyline. It wasn't just me holding up a product. And uh, it was a, a very, very sweet commercial with a little boy who sees me walking down the street and whistles at me. <laughs> and uh, Hitchcock saw the commercial. And I guess he and his wife watched the Today Show on which it was running often. And uh, he decided to find out who the girl was, where she was, and... Um, uh, I was called on Friday the 13th of October in 1961 asking if I was the girl in the Seagull commercial. And um, I said yes. And he said, well, there's a producer, director, who would, uh, is interested in you. And I said, well, who? And he said, well, why don't you come over and meet with me and we can discuss it. And if you would bring any film and um, put your photos and that sort of thing. Sure. So I went uh, over to Universal and met with this man, and uh, he was an executive at Universal. And uh, you know, cause sort of the first sentence was out of out of me was, "Well, who is this person?" And he wouldn't tell me. He didn't tell me for the entire meeting. Uh, and of course, that was on a Friday, and uh, I left my ingredients, uh, the film and the um, uh, the photos, over the weekend, and I went back to pick them up. And I met one executive after the other, and none of them would tell me who it was. Uh, Tuesday morning, I was asked to go to an agency, uh, MCA, which is the largest talent agency at that time, you know, in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And uh, it was there then that the, um, uh, the agent there said, Alfred Hitchcock wants to sign you to a contract. If you agree with the terms, we will go over to meet him. And I have to tell you that I was so thrilled because I had just moved to California, back to California, and uh, I had Melanie to support, and my career wasn't going as well as I was expecting it to. I can imagine. And I'm thinking, oh, what am I going to do? I don't know how to type, you know. (laughs) And... And I have to tell you that I was so grateful and relieved to have this knowledge that I would be able to support my daughter. And, um, of course, then we went over to meet um, Alfred Hitchcock, and he opened the door and stood there looking very pleased with himself. <laughs> and uh, from then, that's that's how it all started. And I, frankly, had no idea, no idea, nor did I think it was possible for me to start in a film. I thought I would be doing his weekly television shows. Yes. So, so you had no knowledge, really, of this particular movie, The Birds, uh, at this time, as, as any of the details you didn't know yet. Yeah, yes. That's amazing. I mean, it's one of my favorite, of course, Hitchcock. Uh, many folks out there, of course, know the many great films that he produced, and we know that the, the birds absolutely has a life of its own. It goes on and on and on, and there are always there's a new generation coming up all the time that that uh, are fascinated with the movie. 
a lot of the kids are not, you know, they're they're not afraid or anything else. But but in with uh, technology as it is today, it takes a lot to scare any of the kids now. Oh, I can imagine it. They want to see the blood and gore. And in the days of the '60s, of course, it was well-crafted special effects that were probably very difficult to do, but they did well, a great and, job. Well, and not only difficult, but but looking back at it now, they were funny. Yes, exactly. You know, when, the, when in the very very first um, uh, scene where the bird attacks me in the boat. Yes. Uh, there was not a bird in sight up in up in Bodega Bay. So this is and, all added in later, right? N- yeah, but in a way that, that was not usual. They mm-hmm. shipped the boat down to Universal, put it in the studio. I got into the boat, and my hairdresser put two uh, plastic tubes up the back of my head, mm-hmm. uh, stopping just a little bit, about a half inch before my hairline, and took one lock, uh, f- put it in front of my face, did my hairdo and then sprayed it, you know, out of you know, so I, it was almost felt felt like a football helmet. And down below the boat, there was the prop man with two canisters, mm-hmm. one with blood and one with air, which were attached to the tubes that went up to my head. And then the bird, the fake bird, was up in the rafters on a wire. And um, so uh, Hitchcock uh, said, "Okay," he said, "action" or something. Mm-hmm. And I had to watch for the bird. And meanwhile, I've got this pleased look on my face because I've just pulled off yet another prank, you know, uh, mm-hmm. up at Bodega Bay. And uh, the bird comes down, and Bobby Bone, the, the um, prop man, pushes the lever, the plunger, and the blood comes out of my uh, hair. The, the hair goes forward, and the blood comes dripping down my forehead. Oh, wow, what a special effect. That Isn't was. that fun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we laugh about it now because it... It would be be accomplished so differently now. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you're just joining us, a legend of television and film, of course, we introduce once again to the Dr. Sky Show, Miss Tippi Hedren, a wonderful time that we're spending today reminiscing about her career, describing to us, of course, the movie The Birds and her affiliation with the great, in my opinion, one of the greatest of all of the directors, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, and so much more, and also your participation in another of his great movies, Marnie. But... One of the main reasons we asked your kindness today to be here today is to speak about your involvement in something very, very important in many people's minds. And this is the Shambhala Preserve. And I wanted to see if I could spend uh, the remaining part, if not most of this interview, Ms. Hedren, in just talking about what this whole preserve is involved as far as what it does, how it got started, and let's talk a little bit more about right. this bill that's being presented to Congress, the federal ban on the breeding of big cats. Excellent. Please. Well, um, because of the you know the films that I did, um, I uh, I obtained a little bit of of celebrity, and uh, I did uh, two films in Africa, and one in 1969 and one in uh, 1970. But you know, sort of back to back. And during that time, environmentalists were telling the world that if we, the people of the world, didn't do something right then to stop the um, the um, encroaching civilization hunting and poaching of the wild animals by the year 2000 they would be gone so there was a lot of awareness going out and um, we learned about the plight of the whale and the panda the tiger the elephant and um, my then husband who was a a producer and a director uh, decided to do a movie and in kicking around ideas those that answer came to us very quickly when we were on a photo safari in Mozambique we saw a house that had been abandoned by a game warden because it flooded during the rainy seasons. He moved out, and a pride of lion moved in. 
and we and there were lions of all sizes. I don't know how many, twenty, twenty-five, um, uh, sitting in the windows, going in and out the doors, napping on the verandas, and it was amazing. So we thought, bingo, perfect, yes. perfect movie site, animals that people are enchanted with. Got back to the states. The script was written using sometimes ten, fifteen cats in a scene. And we were going to have Hollywood acting animals have a nine-month shoot over and out. The trainers of these, you know, lions and tigers yeah. uh, read the script and said, there isn't any way that we can do this film. I said, why not? And he said, because of the numbers of animals you have working together. I said, well, that's the way they were living in Africa. Sure, the natural habitat. Yes. And he said, no, it isn't that. It's because of a natural instinct to um, uh, fight an animal they don't know. Exactly. I don't want my cat hurt. I don't want to be hurt. Get your own animals to do it. Well, there's the sentence. There's the key sentence. Get your own animals. Right? Yes. The so first one was a um, uh, rescue. Little, uh, you know, eight-week-old lion had been purchased by a, a doctor who lived in Mandeville Canyon in Los Angeles. By the time the uh, little lion was seven months old, he had destroyed the doctor's house and was taking a pretty good chunk out of the doctor because... A little lion didn't have a 400-pound mom to say, knock it off, i got to teach you some manners, yes. nor did he have any siblings with whom to play. So the doctor became the, the, the sibling, and he was uh, the doctor was screaming, somebody take this little monster off my hands. So we did, mm -hmm. and that was our first experience with the little lions. And then at one point we had 150 big cats that we had rescued. And all during this time I'm thinking, because of the accidents that all of us who were hurt making our movie, I was hurt, my daughter was hurt, our DP, our first assistant, my then-husband was hurt so often they were going to name a wing at the Palmdale Hospital after him. Yeah, and, of course, the animals don't mean this intentionally. It's just that uh, yeah, they're, they're in their that environment. Is, that is their instinct, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Right. Short of a bullet to the head. Wow. And, you know, we were learning so much about them, and um, I would say, why aren't there laws? to stop this insanity and um, in uh, in 2003 I took a bill to my, my own congressman uh, to just stop the interstate traffic uh, of these animals being sold as pets. Well Ms. Hedren, if, and excuse me for interrupting, but I wanted to ask you to tell the audience, in your opinion, how bad is the problem? Because honestly other than this particular interview and this story, I've not heard much about this and that's why I'm glad to have you here today to talk about this. Yeah, well, actually the uh, uh the the exotic animal trade is is so huge that according to U United States Fish and Wildlife, mm -hmm. it's on a par with illegal drugs. Wow, now that's serious. You and when when uh it gets that big uh and it's a it's a dirty business and um it becomes dangerous. When I was working on, on the Captive Wildlife Safety Act, my life was threatened, and my the animals at Chambala were threatened. And, um, uh, you know, they may be very, very tough, but they're not very smart. They uh, they left the, the threat on my answering machine. Did they? So I called in the authorities, and they listened, and they have a way of knowing whether this is a serious threat or not, and they said, absolutely, it is. So, oh, yes. Um, I couldn't uh, I, I couldn't leave the preserve unless I, I drove somebody else's car. I'd, I had to rent a car, have somebody with me. Uh, I um, um, I, could, I had to have somebody live in my house with me. Mm -hmm. I 
we, uh, during the times when we were open, uh, they sent the sheriff over to go to go through everybody's bags to make sure they weren't bringing in anything that would harm either me or the uh, the animals. And um, after after a couple of weeks, they found out where the man lived, and it was out of the state of California. I see. So the FBI came in and they got him. He was um, an animal dealer, and. Uh, I had heard about this man and not good things about him, sure. and uh, you know, so I was I was then very very much relieved, and um, you know, I could go on with my life. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But well, you're a very interesting guest, of course, and not just because you're a certain you know, celebrity status in television and film, but I find it fascinating. Most folks that are in their senior years, uh, of course, Ms. Hedren, would be just sipping you know, wine and just retiring, but you're doing something actively to stop in what you consider, and I think many people listening will, will easily yeah. consider to be a big, uh, a big problem. And the, the, the bill that I'm working on now, uh, the federal ban on breeding the exotic feline for personal possession, is of vital importance. I mean, the lions and tigers are apex predators. Please, means, please explain that. I'm, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, which means that they are that, that they uh, are uh, uh, head of the head of the uh, top of the line of the food chain. Mm-hmm. They are one of four of the most dangerous animals in the world. Mm-hmm. And yet, uh, the United States government says it's okay to breed these animals. They'll give you They'll um, not only say it's okay to breed them, but to own them. And not only that, they will give you a permit through the Department of Agriculture. Now, that's all very wrong, and it's giving, given the wrong uh, message. And, um, you know, uh, these animals are, are absolutely, they can be so deadly that it's absolutely frightening. And I've heard stories, and I think you could, you know, of course, elaborate further on this. This is your expertise. But there aren't, pe- aren't there people in different cities that have these animals thinking that they're just common house pets, and they realize yes. later they do, on that they're, they're much they, bigger than they could maintain? Yeah, they're, they're living everywhere in, in, in the United States. In, in back of homes, they're at, at roadside zoos. They're, uh, most of them are in, in ha- cages that are, are not, not well built. I mean, it takes an enormous uh, amount of strength to keep these animals in. Mm-hmm. If, they, if they decide to come at you or whatever, there is nothing that can stop them except a bullet to, a bullet to the head. Well, Ms. Hedren, I hate to bring up the story that I think everybody listening probably recognizes, the Siegfried and Roy show, yes. where one of what, and please explain this better, because all I understood was what, one of the tigers bit one of the, one of the performers and, and almost killed him, is that correct? Well, it was Roy. Roy, yes. Yes. Well, that, and now here's another case of, of the instincts coming through. Mm-hmm. Roy had raised Montecore. I know, I know Roy and Siegfried and Roy. Okay. And um, I've been there, and, um, you know, they, they breed these animals, and they raise them, and they're, you know, they're friends. They swim with them in the pools. I mean, they, you know, all this. And on stage, while they were doing the show, uh, Roy had a stroke. Oh. Now, it is, it is an instinctive dictate 
for these animals to to take out any being who is not healthy, who is is um, not uh, who is lame, anything physical wrong physically wrong with them. So they can touch in their own ways to take them out. And that's what Montecor did. He said, "Whoa, I've got to, I've got to." Take. And they, um, the 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 company tried to put a spin mm-hmm. on it that uh, Montecor was trying to help uh, uh, Roy. Mm-hmm. And all of us who are in this business and know these animals well just said, "Oh no, no, no! That's not the way it is. That wasn't what what, what happened." Montecor was going to get him. I didn't know that he uh, that, that the performer had it. You're saying that he had a stroke, and thus the animal's instincts was to to finish him completely. Yes, well, and and that's exactly what happened. Didn't know that. Again, ladies and gentlemen, if you're just joining us here on the Doctor Sky Show, a real privilege and honor, and a very special treat. Our special guest is legend of film and television. Her entire career spent, of course, as we all know, Miss Tippi Hedren, but also equally important, her involvement and extreme involvement, her passion for Shambhala.org. You can visit them, of course, at www.shambhala.org on the web, which I'm looking at right now, ladies and gentlemen. And I think it's important, Ms. Hedren, in the few moments that we have you, tell us the progress of the federal ban on breeding a big cat's act. What, where is it now, and, and what, what do you see will be the outcome of this? All right, just yesterday I got the final markup on the bill, mm-hmm. and I'm absolutely thrilled with it. Great. It's strong, it's short, it's to the point, and uh, hopefully um, uh, we'll be able to, to get it through, hopefully in the next six weeks, that it, will, that it will be introduced, and there will be a House number. It will then go to the Senate, when, and uh, when we, uh, as soon as we have the House number, we will have it up on our, on our website, and uh, I would urge everyone to, to really look into this situation of big cats as pets, because it is so dangerous and no, so it's a very, senseless. very noble cause it's a, it's and a very, a, very a, righteous a, cause and one that I think people, of course, need to know about and what's going on. But describe to us the Shambhala organization. If people were to go to the location, uh, you have... Well, what what we do is we try to educate when Mm -hmm. when, uh, when you come here. We're rather exclusive. We feel that the place is for them. Uh, We're only open one weekend a month, but uh, we will, and everybody loves coming here. They come often to, to, uh, to, um, you know, go through the tour and... You can bring your picnic and sit around the lake with us and and enjoy that time as well. But we, and we have many many different programs. But I think one of the nice we have the adoption program and the membership program and um, um, the educational program and all of those things are very very important to in in helping us. Um, and we are run to operate totally on donation, including my own. I've never been paid on any level. In mm-hmm. fact. Uh, about 15 years ago, I donated all of the land to the Roar Foundation, so the animals will always be safe. But one of the nicest things we do for them is that they're not in the same cage for the rest of their lives. In fact, they are not in cages. They're in large areas, some of them over an acre. Wow. Um, and uh, we move them from one area to another, so they have a different body of water to play in, a different tree to climb, different neighbor a different lion or tiger to mm-hmm. to uh, talk to and and uh, every everything we do is for their benefit to try to give them some semblance of life because there is absolutely nothing that we can give a wild animal in captivity that they need mm-hmm. 
there isn't one thing that they need that we can give them. Because you described it before, they're at the top of the food chain, and I think yes. that's an important. Statement. And not only that, they should be free. They shouldn't be in. I mean, it would like it would be like putting us into one room and say, "Okay, this is what you're. Well, this is this is what you're. Where you're going to be for the rest of your life." And that's what they are born into. They're born into living in prison. Well, Ms. Hedren, you also described, or at least I've been reading, about these trophy hunts that are guaranteed. I mean, I understand the noble use for hunting. I mean, this is something that a lot of folks that I know are active hunters, but they do it in what I consider to be the legal. And well, I don't made. think there's anything noble about it. I no, and I, and I understand, yeah, but I, I wanted uh, you to comment, though, if you would, on this. Well, um, uh, I think I think it's it's egregious. I think it's... Mm-hmm. It's immoral, and um, uh, it's it's just another way to make money for a lot of people. No, if you would comment though on the trophy hunt, I mean, I think that's that's absolutely. Oh, it is a guaranteed trophy. Right, and that's terrible because the animal didn't have a chance. Not a chance in the world. Mm -hmm. Do you understand that? No, it's 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 uh, it's abhorrent. That that uh, and then I get apparently it's the you know there uh, there are so many hunters in the NRA. So many people uh, who are in our our, uh, mm-hmm. our government who are hunters. Yes. You know, so. No, I do understand the necessity for the you know adopt an animal, and also in this particular case, more than that, the understanding of your particular piece of legislation, the federal ban on the breeding of big cats act. I think that is very noble and very much needed. Well, I just I hope it's it, it's a success, and I have to tell you that I love these animals more than my next breath. I look out at from my bedroom, and I I. I'm I'm about six feet away from three very 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 wonderful tigresses, and uh, am able to look at them. But um, mm-hmm. you know, I know the power that they have. I know that they are totally undependable. That that you can't ever ever trust them, and uh, the damage that they can do to people with either killing them or harming them uh, for life is um, is um, it's not worth it. Interesting story, Ms. Hedren, and one more question, or one other quick story, if you could uh, explain, explain to our audience. I'm fascinated by your award here, the Vietnamese, Vietnamese American Patron Saint Award. I never knew this, of the folks that were, of course, coming out of Vietnam during the end of the Vietnam War. Oh, you know, I have, you, I've, I've had such a, a wonderful uh, relationship with, with uh, several Vietnamese. I, uh, I was a volunteer for an organization called Food for the Hungry right. and traveled all over the world with them and uh, for them for, to, to countries that had been decimated by earthquake, uh, flood, um, uh, hurricane, whatever, war uh, in Bangladesh. I, uh, in um, 1976 um, or so, you know, 75, mm-hmm. we took a, uh, we, we uh, leased a battleship from the, um, Australian Navy and went around the South China Seas helping the boat people hmm. and that I'll never forget that as long as I live all these people who were so desperate to get away from from communism that uh, they went out into they foraged the oceans in these ridiculous little boats and the the pirates would get them and I mean it was just horrendous and what we could do is we could we could bring them on board feed them give them new clothing uh, repair their little boats if if it needed, and because of international law, we couldn't um, leak, you know keep them on board. Uh, but but what we could do is we could guide them to safe haven, to a, to one of the countries where they would be safe. 
And, Ms. Hedren, also, as you know best, the helping and training of the manicurists here because oh, they didn't well, want to Oh, well, that open. happened up in, in Weimar, California, where we put through about 100 or oh, 1,500 or so of Vietnamese refugees and just uh, helped them That's with, uh, with t- simple things like, like how do you go through a supermarket, mm-hmm. uh, getting their driver's licenses, getting, mm-hmm. getting a sponsor. And I brought in uh, seamstresses and typists and... They loved my fingernails, and I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to bring my manicurist up from from L.A. Mm-hmm. And she came up once a week uh, for eight weeks and taught them, uh, you know, a procedure on the nails. Sure. And uh, after that, we uh, rented a bus and took them down to Sacramento, where they went to beauty school, and they uh, uh, learned, went through that little little study uh, uh, time. And they all passed the test in English and got their licenses, and they then went out into the world. And, of course, the, the, um, the networking of the Vietnamese refugees is amazing. Sure. And uh, pretty soon more little shops were popping up, and, and uh, now it's such a huge industry, and I'm so proud of that. Well, it's amazing, Ms. Hedren, because when our wives and girlfriends and other female friends get the, you know, manicures or go to the nail salon, you're helping, uh, you're part of that uh, effort that we see so many of the Vietnamese people, of course, dominating that industry. So that's amazing that you helped uh, to get that started. You know what, 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 what I, I respected so much when they came in, and they were not popular when they came into our country, that they did not want to be a burden on the United States. They all wanted desperately to work and and find their own way. I was I was very impressed with that. Well, Ms. Tippi Hedren, I want to thank you so much. To learn more about Tippi Hedren and this wonderful organization, Shambhala.org. It's www.shambhala.org. And Shambhala is an elegant and is ancient Sanskrit word that means, of course, as you know, Ms. Hedren, a meeting place of peace and harmony for all human beings, animal and human. Yes. And I want to thank you so much for spending time with us. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this exciting edition of the Dr. Sky Show. As we always remind our listeners here and around the world, always remember to keep your eyes to the skies and literally to the stars. Many, of course, the stars that we have from television and film of days gone by, like our special guest today, Miss Tippi Hedren. Thank you so much, Miss Hedren, for joining us today. On the Thank Dr. you. I've, I've enjoyed it tremendously. Thank you, ma'am.